This is the Dad Devotionals Podcast with Dave Domzowski. Each week, I'll bring you compelling interviews that'll educate, inspire, and motivate you to become the father and husband our Lord called you to be. We're a community of devoted dads who want to strengthen our faith and family and live out our true purpose in this life. Please, won't you join us? Just text me at 717-913-5671, and you'll be welcomed into my Devoted Dads community. And if you want to support the podcast, we invite you to purchase a product, a book, or a course in our affiliate shop on daddevotionals.com. You can also contribute monthly at patreon.com slash daddevotionals. Now, here's today's show. God bless. Hey, guys. Are you in a leadership role in your current job? If so, I have a course for you. It's called Heroic Leadership. There is only one thing that's certain, and that is there will be uncertainty. But you don't have to wait around for things to happen. You can take charge of your life, your people, and your career. Instead of being reactive, you can be proactive. You can pivot when things go awry, which they inevitably will. Instead of operating from a fixed mindset, you can operate from a growth mindset. You can see opportunity, not lack. Instead of focusing on only yourself, you can come from a place of empathy. You can be that rising tide that lifts other boats. It's time you forge ahead with an inspired plan and the motivation to execute it. You see the caliber of people you'll be spending time with here. As Jim Rome said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, you're spending time with Jeffrey Hazlett, who will guide you through what it's like to answer the call as a C-suite executive. You're listening to Sarah Staley, who has dealt with many crises in her own time at Stanford University Medical Center. You'll also hear from Sean Maroney, who has suffered from obesity and other issues his entire life. Yet all these people are stronger for their experience and will teach you how to overcome anything. Now is the time to be extraordinary. Now is the time to step up. Now is the time to be your best when things are at their worst. It's time to answer the call. Join us today. Go to daddevotionals.com slash leader right now. That's daddevotionals.com slash leader to get instant access to this course. Now, let's get to today's episode. Today's guest is Helen Smallbone. Helen is co-founder of Mum Life Ministry, co-host of Mum Life Community Podcast, Mom of Seven, which includes Rebecca St. James and Joel and Luke from Four King and Country. I think you may have heard of them. And also a grandmother of 13. She's the author of Behind the Lights, The Extraordinary Adventure of a Mom and Her Family from K-Love Books. Helen, welcome to Dad Devotionals. It is so great to have you. Oh, and thank you, David, very much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, thrilled to be able to speak to some dads out there. Absolutely. Well, let's start off with this. Helen, I, I want to talk to you about growing up as a pastor's daughter in Australia. Now, most of my listeners <laughs> are here in the United States. Um, yep. So tell us about, you know, how did your parents shape your faith as a child and how did you carry that forward to your own family? Um, I think the, my mom and dad were simple pastors of small congregations um, where our lives was were totally involved. Um, we lived in the parsonage next door to the church. Um, my dad's office was in the house. We were part of the uh, secretarial staff because we would answer phones. You know, it, we, we were living as a family in this ministry. 
And the thing that impressed me is both mum and dad's commitment, both to Jesus as well as to the people that they were ministering to, and especially my father's simple faith. Mm. He lived out his faith, and uh, that was inspiring to me. And frankly, I loved the change-up of never really knowing what the next day was going to bring, whether there'd be an alcoholic on the store step needing help. Um, they, you just never knew what was going to be, but I loved sort of that lifestyle. Sure, absolutely. Now, and in terms of your own family, you know, how growing up in that environment, how, how did you bring that forward to, uh, to your own children? All right. I gave uh, my life to Christ at uh, 14 at a Billy Graham crusade. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit at about age uh, 16. And that really between those two, um, I don't know, conversion experiences, deepening experiences, I really wanted to live for Jesus and I wanted my life to matter. Um, And so it's been a natural progression. Um, I'm 66 now. I, uh, you grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully, I've continued to grow yeah. all these years, both in my faith and trust in God. And that that foundation is what makes the home matter. And um, I, I can't imagine living life without Jesus. I know He's real. I've seen Him in my own life and in our family's lives. And uh, I I just want to do whatever I do for him. And that's really my heart cry. And so impacting the kids, I look at everything um, when they were growing up. I tried to see things through a spiritual perspective, taking moments of tension and using the spiritual pr- principles of, of saying sorry, of repentance, of forgiveness, mm-hmm. of restitution, of praying together. Um, in talks in the car, we would spend a lot of time traveling in the car and in doing that too, I would uh, we would spend time talking about deep conversations, and and so it was living out our faith. I think it says in Deuteronomy uh, to just bring your faith into your home and to post it on your doorways and on your walls and talk about it. And really, at the end of the day, I think that's what we endeavoured to do with our kids growing up. Absolutely, you know, I just want to make a quick point when we were building the house that we're in. We had, we've, we found this, uh, I think it was on Pinterest or something, where we actually wrote scripture passages on the studs throughout our throughout wow. our house, depending That's on you know, the entrance of the home, things like that. So when you say, hang it on the walls, we really did. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it, it lays such a foundation. And you can tell when you walk into a home that where the peace of Jesus is present. And you can tell when you walk into a home where there's another spirit present that it just has this heaviness and negativity. And so to walk, Jesus said, I come to give life and to give it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. And 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 he is the source of that life. So to continue to grow in him is is really living the abundant life. Absolutely. Well, we also know, though, that living a Christian life, you know, it doesn't mean that we're without you know, issues. We don't, we, we have things in the uh-huh. world that, 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 that trip us up. Right. And so I want to uh-huh. talk specifically about something that happened in your life. You and your husband, David had six children when his business uh-huh. unexpectedly collapsed. I mean, you know, That's I it. can only imagine what folks have gone through in 2008 and other years like that. So what did this mean for your family home, your income, your future? Can you speak to that? Yeah, well, we, uh, we we lost, uh, my husband was a Christian concert promoter in Australia. Mm. Uh, Australia has about 5% probably active Christians. 
We have the landmass of the sort of central area of America without Alaska. Um, and we have uh, probably 10% of the population. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a different world. And when he would bring in international artists, I mean, he was risking a fair amount, uh, but he was committed to making a difference. And through music, that was his really commitment. We lost a quarter of a million dollars on a tour. We knew we weren't going to be able to trade out of this one. That it was, it was, it was. T- this was, this was going to be life change. Yeah. And the opportunity that arose for us was to actually come to America, um, and uh, we came really with no money. We had our plane tickets uh, being bought for us by uh, another another source. And uh, when we arrived, I was about six months pregnant with our youngest daughter. Oh. We had no health insurance. We had no car. We had no money. We were on the other side of the world, away from family, away from friends. Mm. And David had a few business contacts, um, but other than that, we uh, we really just had Jesus, and we had to survive. We had to lean into our relationship with Him, look for His hand, look for His hand of provision, His hand of guidance, and in doing that, that's where we saw miracles that then changed us. Well, let, let's talk about, about that a little bit. So once you arrived in Nashville, even the children, you know, pitched in to make ends meet. <laughs> God used this challenging time to shape the character and faith of each of you. Can you tell us about uh, maybe some specific prayers that you had during those days? Uh-huh. Uh, well, we prayed. We we prayed for God to provide for us. And then we would see, we lived on the a sort of the main road into the estate. And uh, we were early on that road. And uh, so people would come in and then uh, word got out about us. And then we would have groceries dropped on our doorstep as we prayed for God's provision. Um, We were given a mower. The first summer we were here, we were given a mower and uh, like ride on mower and uh, um, a push mower, which then started us uh, with our oldest son who was 13. It started us into doing mowing lawns. Uh, Rebecca at 14 was cleaning houses and babysitting. And really, we look back and we see that the kids actually put food on the table um, by their odd jobs that they were doing. Um, And then David did pick up a management job over here that did provide for our basic expenses. But it was pretty hand to mouth. I remember um, us praying for a car and uh, a couple of months after we got here, um, uh, we went to our local homeschooling meeting and uh, a guy there came up to us at the end of the night and just said, um, I just feel like God is wanting me to give you this, my car. And he had an extra van and uh, he just gave us the keys to his brand new um, Toyota Previa at the time. So it, yeah, it those days just impacted all of us because we, uh, we would sit around in an empty living room. We had no furniture. Uh, we would sit around the empty living room and pray. And then we would we had a Sunday school class from a local church uh, knock on our door, and they provided us with furniture all through the house. Wow. And children, our children at that age were ranging from um, fourteen down to uh, well, I suppose Libby was born after I got here, but really two. And you don't you don't experience those things as a family without it changing every one of us, sure. and uh, it really set a new foundation for our life. Absolutely. Now, I think you mentioned in there that you say you, you homeschooled. Did you homeschool every child? 
Yes, we were sort of led in a roundabout route into homeschooling because um, when I knew we were well, when I knew we were coming to Australia, our kids we live in Australia. We I have to say we lived a fairly normal life. Mm. Our kids were in Christian schools. We we had a little nice little house in the suburbia in Sydney, and then um, you know we lost everything. We had to move. Uh, we moved into a rental. We sold our house, trying to pay as much as we could. And then we got to the, we thought we were going to come over here in about March, April of 1991. Okay. And so the, our school year in Australia starts in February. And so I said, went to David and I said, listen, it's not really fair. Our kids go into a Christian school to take up some positions and then we're there for two months and then we leave and some poor other kid is going to have to come in, take their place after the school year started. What about if I keep them home and homeschool? And he said, the kids will drive you crazy. And I said, well, no better time to figure that out than now because it's only for two months. And so he said, well, all right, well, you know, and then I, I used, <laughs> in speaking to a dad, I used the other little thing of, well, it'll save us money too. <laughs> and so I think that was the capping point. Two thumbs like, up. Yeah, maybe that makes sense. <laughs> and so um, we, we did that. And then our departure time got put back from April, then to June, and then to July. And we didn't leave Australia until August. So by then I'd had six months of homeschooling. Then when we got settled in Nashville, um, it was mid-September and, again, the school year had just started and I was under such culture shock. The kids were still, I needed them around me. Like we'd learnt to bond pretty closely. And so I just went to him and I said, listen, can we at least homeschool for the first year? And then in that first year, we learned, God taught us how to work together. Mm -hmm. um, we were cleaning houses together, we were raking leaves together, we were doing landscaping and mowing jobs together, and it was a whole family. I mean, we would all go. And that was really the foundation of what we did once Rebecca got signed. She got signed a couple of years after we were here. Mm -hmm. I think in 1994, her first album, um, Rebecca's and James, came out. And when it got to touring and doing travelling and stuff, Again, we'd bonded so closely that uh, David said, well, you know, I, what about we go together and um, we'll teach the kids how to set up the lights and the sound and we'll just do it together. Wow. And that then became the foundation that has followed through really forever since then and started to teach the boys their skills. As a mother, what, what was it like, you know, putting your, your child out there in the spotlight. I mean, I guess a couple of kids now at this point. Well, what's that like? Well, it's what, really, what does that it's do really, to you? <laughs> it's really three. Three. I mean, Rebecca was hard because she three. started at 16. And uh, that was, I, I was very concerned. We'd, we'd had an experience back in Australia where she did a uh, three-song support. We'd, we'd found out from sort of other people who were involved in her Christian school in music that she really did have a bit of a gift and so that was sort of confirmed outside the family. And then we had the opportunity where she could go on the road and be a support singer for um, Carmen on a tour that he did in Australia. She did three songs at an opening. She did that when she was 13. And when she came home, she said, oh, Mum, I'm so glad to be home. I just want to clean the house. And I thought, that's an interesting sort of scenario for someone who's been on a stage. And I thought that, Maybe both of David and I thought, well, maybe she can keep her head together. 
um, doing the music thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was obviously evident. She had been thrown into it at such a young age that she learned to really rely on God. She would pray before everything that she did. Every time she got off this, on the stage, she would pray. She, when she got off the stage, she would pray. And prayer became the foundation of her ministry and who mm-hmm. she is. And she led then a strong foundation for what Joel and Luke are doing in Picking and Country. Um, Luke, uh, Joel started performing with her at the age of 12. So he, they just understand that world. I say we're like a farmer's family, only we're a, <laughs> I suppose, a, a performer's family in the fact that they know every gamut of what's entailed in, in, in performing, um, in, in being on the stage. None of us are, in, an, 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 are enamoured by the stage, and I think that sets a strong foundation. I see the stage, particularly for a Christian, as being a little bit of a... Um, Oh, a scary place. I think when anybody is high profile, whether you're a pastor, an evangelist, a singer, an actor, when you're high profile and you're a Christian, it can mess with your head if you take yourself too seriously, having applause, being looked up to, whatever. And you've really got to keep a stronger foundation of who you are in Jesus. And, and, And Jesus, as we model after him, he came to serve, not to be served. And so it, my biggest fear, I suppose, is that the kids would not finish strong. If, you know, and I say that my, my heart cry for each one of them is that when they get before Jesus, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And so to me, that is the priority of, of whatever we're doing, but especially for those who have a public profile. So often um, something will happen and they'll be seduced by the limelight, by um, fame, fortune, you know, and they won't finish strong. I I read a statement that said nine out of ten people can um, continue and make us be successful, can continue and keep their head together through failure. Only one out of ten can through success. And that statistics, whether whatever field you're in, yeah. is pretty challenging. So you've really, you know, got to keep yourself grounded. I love that you mentioned, you know, you know, one day we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And uh-huh. we all, I mean, to, to say that as the foundation, of, you, you don't hear that often, even amongst us Christians. But I think we're afraid to admit that. We, we kind of put that, that thought aside. But for you, it's it's the foundation. It's it's what everything that you're doing. And for from from my observation, it's from that those very early days when you grew up yeah. with your parents uh, to the point where you know you had that big struggle which brought you here. You you had that huge test of faith, and now even mm-hmm. you know limelight completely in it, and you're still you're still focused on, but Jesus first, Christ first. I'm putting Him well, first. He is the foundation of my life. I love that. Yeah, that is so refreshing. There's nothing. There's nothing else that, that everything else is temporal. Everything else is going to burn and rot. Everything else will lead us away from Him. Mm. And at the end of the day, He is the source of life. And that's right there. That's why you're you're still where you are because of of you bringing that message to people on this podcast, people all over the world. That's why you're still there. And, and that, that's so beautiful. My, 
my encouragement, continual encouragement, both for my own life and then for my children's lives, because they're all adults now. We range now from 45 down to 30, mm. is to look for Jesus's hand on your life. Um, and that is my, that's what I'm always trying to find. I'm always trying to see where is he either in this struggle, in this triumph, where is he? And it's interesting to me because now, you know, the boys are out there making music. They're out there doing um, music videos. And our, one of our sons actually um, directs those music videos uh, and photographs them. And I, I said to them just recently, they, had, they, were, they were doing one of their more audacious music videos that they've ever done off their new album, What Are We Waiting For?, and, um, I said to them, they said, oh, you know, so much went wrong on that first day. And he said it changed our way we were, our plans, what we were going to do. But I said we realised after they would changed that our original plans would not have worked. And I said, Joel, Luke, man, can you see this is God? Like God was with you on this. He shut down those other avenues because they would have caused issues. And he led you by closing doors into the path that he had for you. See his hand. What was fascinating to me then they were a week or so later, they were out in um, the Mohawk Desert recording another special and uh, a windstorm came in on the day that they were to record the special, which meant that they had to stay another night. They had all those expenses. They had to go the next day. But they saw in that windstorm that Jesus had closed another door. They, 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 their eyes were sort of more focused, if you know what I mean, in looking for, well, what's he doing here? Why, why has this sort of happened? And I think that's a principle that we should be living in our everyday life. Jesus, where are you leading us? This door closed, so what, where, what, are we changing direction? Like what's happening here? Oh, you 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 allowed me to get this job. That's your provision for me. I'm going to walk through that with confidence. Looking for his hand on our lives is just so huge. It just changes everything. You know, and, and now you're taking that approach and you're you have your own ministry, right? I mean, you're for mothers. <laughs> well, I'd say it's a bit early, a bit early for that, but yeah, sort of, yeah. <laughs> About 10 years ago, I realized that I had a passion for the family. Yeah. A passion for mums. I recognise that being a mum is the hardest job on the planet, and uh, I I want to support them. Um, I want to, I see the breakdown of the family, so I'm continually looking for um, to encourage people on their journey um, to put Jesus first and then to to serve Him because that make brings life. Um, but yes, I, I I mean I have in these later years of my life really want to give back and uh, encourage other mums on the journey. What is the main message that you, you want folks to take away from the book? Um, the main message I think is for that I would like people to take away is that each of us has a story. Uh, ours is a pretty dramatic story that laid a new foundation, sent us in new directions. But each of us has a story. and. I want them, one, to see God's hand in their story. Mm -hmm. Two, if he is asking you to step out of your comfort zones, to do something new that looks scary, it may be a wife 
your your wife, your uh, um, the mother, kids, staying home to be a full time mum, and that looks scary for a man. It it may be changing jobs, and you're not going to have as good a health insurance. It may be leaving the country. Uh, you know, we've all got there are people who they sense God's calling on their lives. And they're scared. They're scared to step out of what I call out of the box. They're scared to step out of the cultural norm into an area where they feel vulnerable. And my testimony is God is wanting us to step out, to follow him, to step out of the boat, just like Peter, to step into the Red Sea, just like the Israelites, to see his miracles because he will be there. He is good and he is faithful. And if he is calling you to do something special in your life, move forward with confidence. If I can encourage one family, one person to step out of their comfort zones and to trust him on their journey, then this book has been worthwhile. You know, I love that because we had to step out in faith a couple of years back. Uh, my wife actually homeschools and we left the only, we left my, my hometown uh, really to uh-huh. come here a couple of years ago. So she could work or she could work as a, or be the full-time mom. Um, and, you know, we, we had our six month old at the time, but we were, we were stepping out in faith and, you know, fortunately God allowed us to move close to her parents, but they're about 45 minutes away. And now six years later, she's homeschooling my six-year-old and four-year-old. And yeah. I'm I'm the sole breadwinner, but it, it's working for us. And my job right now, I'm a full time job. I'm working from home twenty four seven. That's wonderful. I mean, and I, and that that made it for me when my <clears throat> husband started working from home. That started to feel like real life. This whole thing of marrying the person that you love, and they go off to work for eight ten hours a day, and your lives are so separated. Uh, it 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 killed something in me. There was something that just didn't. I don't know, didn't really live. I'm like, why? Yeah, didn't make sense. Yeah. And so, now, you know, I love the working from home thing. I think then you're living real life. You're being together with the ones that you love. But, yeah, I, I, I admire anybody who will step out of their comfort zones and trust God. Uh, I, we're just about out of time, but I do have two more questions for you. This, this one I think is important. Uh-huh. So with seven grown children and 13 grandchildren close by, What's your life like today? <laughs> you know, David, we've lived so in each other's pockets. Um, so the way that our, like Rebecca is our oldest and um, she started back in music again and, and she and I are doing some speaking events and sing, mm-hmm. she sings, I speak, we, we share. And um, then the five boys, so we have bookend girls and five boys. The five boys are all involved um, with uh, Fakin Country the oldest Daniel runs and programs um, uh, all their lighting and staging. Um, then you've got Ben who does all their video productions and music videos. Then you've got Joel and Luke who are in for King and Country. And then the youngest boy, Josh, um, he manages uh, the boys. He actually manages all our lives, to tell you the honest truth. And then our youngest daughter, Libby, Libby is a uh, vet assistant at the local vets because she has a huge love for animals. Um, we're very in each other's pockets a lot. So frankly, for me, I'm, I say to the kids, listen, I raised, I raised you all, I homeschooled. Um, I'm, I'm sort of doing my own thing a little bit now. If you need me, I'll, I'll be there. But otherwise, you're raising your kids. I know that might sound terribly cruel, but I like, 
I'm, I'll be grandmother and I'll love on them and whatever, but uh, this is a season where I'm sort of going to have the freedom to do more what I want to do. I think that's what all, all I suppose what God leads me to do. Yeah, right. I think that's what all parents eventually, you know, want. You know, you, you put the, the birds out of the nest and you let them, <laughs> you help them out where you can. Um, it, well, it's, and, my, and my latest hobby probably is having animals and birds here. And so uh, that, uh, you know, I, I realized I wanted uh, the children to, and grandchildren especially, uh, to experience sort of a hobby farm life. And so I have a bunch of animals and birds here. And when they come over, you know, it's, I get them to help me with them. So I sort of, um, I'm, I've, I've developed some hobbies of my own. Let's put it that way. I love that. And I also love how involved everybody is. My, my son took up golf at, at three and a half. And I tell him <laughs> he, he's my retirement plan and I get to be the, his caddy. So I want to be involved. Too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get, I get it. <laughs> well, Helen, this has been great. Uh, I got one more question. Where can we connect with you and pick up the book? Um, the book is available through um, K-Love's website. And uh, until its release date is April 12th, it's Behind the Lights. It, that's its name. And uh, if you go on K-Love's website between now and April 12th, it's actually a buy one, get one or give one. Uh, they'll, they'll send you two books. Um, I think that's a great way to go. Otherwise, it's available on any um, uh, anywhere you buy books, on Amazon and anywhere else you buy books. Uh, its release date is April 12, so uh, it should be very present after that. Um, if you wanted to follow anything that I'm doing, I have an author pod, uh, a Facebook page, just Helen Smallbone. Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's probably about it. Well, Helen, this has been great. Uh, May God grant you many blessed years. Take care. And thanks so much for, uh, for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Dave. I appreciate you having me. God bless. Thank you. Hey, dads, are you responsible for your household or business finances? If so, check out my website, runthemoney.com. Run the Money is the place for money management tips for saving more, paying off debt, and budgeting. I also give you ideas and information for starting a side business. If you're in between jobs or need a way to get a better handle on your family's money, go to runthemoney.com for free articles on money management. That's runthemoney.com, R-U-N-T-H-E-M-O-N-E-Y, all one word, runthemoney.com. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals. Be sure to text me at 717-913-5671 to join the Devoted Dads community. Do me a favor and share this episode with at least one other person who could benefit. Until next time, take care and God bless.